Jesus, the most extraordinary man to walk on the face of the earth, the most extraordinary man that I have ever met. Why extraordinary? I, I looked up the definition of extraordinary. Listen to this. Very unusual, remarkable, and usually great. He is remarkable and he is great, you know, because he's extraordinary. Why extraordinary? Why is Jesus extraordinary? Well, I want to uh, share a few thoughts with you tonight on that, beginning with his birth. His birth was absolutely extraordinary. Think about it. His mother is a virgin and his daddy is God. Can someone say extraordinary? 100% God and 100% man, I tell you what. And you know, not just with his birth, but how his way of life, just how he did life day in and day out. Listen to this scripture, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. It says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes, yet for your sakes, he became poor, that you, through his poverty, might become rich. That's the kind of God we, we serve today. His walk of life. Listen to his, his walk of life. How did he do community? He began ministry by choosing 12. He went out and found these 12 disciples. They were kind of ordinary men. He didn't go to the temple or to the seminary or college to find them. He went along a, a, a river or lake. He found fishermen. He found tax collectors. He found tradesmen. And he said, he said at least to a few of them, he said, then he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Why fishers of men? Because God is interested in people's lives. Lives. He's interested in your life tonight, every person here. Listen to his, his uh, reputation why he walked on the face of the earth. It's just incredible. Listen to a few scriptures tonight, at least a portion of his reputation. Luke 15, 1, it says this. Then the tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. <laughs> Think about that. Luke 19, 7, this is talking about a guy named Zacchaeus, he was a, a kind of a short guy. He was a, a rich tax collector. He was kind of like a leader in that area. And this was said about Jesus pertaining to Zacchaeus. But the people were displeased because he's gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner and they grumbled. Matthew 9, 10, and 13, this is right after he called Matthew out to be one of his disciples, and Matthew decides to have a, a dinner, kind of like a banquet at his house. And, and this is who came to the banquet. Listen to this. It says, later Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to come into his home as a dinner guest, along with, listen, many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum. This is his reputation. This is who gathered to Jesus. This is who Jesus reached. These are the people that Jesus loved. When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. Some of you feel that tonight. 
Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of the scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I've come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. If you know that you're a sinner tonight, you're among friends. If you know that you're a sinner tonight, you came to the right place. We are a, a sinner-friendly church. Yo. Why? Because we realize we all fall short. We're only saved by the grace of God. We know that we're not saved because we're cute. No, we're not saved because we're smart, because we do good works, or that we're worthy. We're saved because of this wonderful free gift of God, grace and salvation. That gift is here for you tonight if you've never obtained it. His teachings was extraordinary. The Beatitudes, listen, this is one of, a, one of many. Matthew 5, 3, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He taught remarkably on forgiveness and even how to treat your enemies. Listen to this one on how to treat your enemies, Matthew 5, 44. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. How many know that's pretty tough? Come on, come on, come on now, church. Come on. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Extraordinary. How he treated people when he walked on earth. Listen to this story. This one lady, some of you will know this tonight. John 8, 4, it says, Teacher, they said to him, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses, verse 5, says to stone her, what do you say? They were testing Jesus to see what his response would be. Verse 7 says, they kept demanding an answer, so he stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. <laughs> Look what happened. When the, when the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest until the only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Listen to his conversation now. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus says, neither do I. Amen. <laughs> Ooh, neither do I. Go sin no more. I love what Jesus did first. He dealt with her accusers. Then he ministered to her. Tonight, Jesus wants to deal with your accusers. Those voices, the choir in your head, the lies of the enemy. You know, rabbis used to call where the name accuser come from. It means devil. 
the accuser, the accuser of the brethren. He wants to shut the accuser up in your life today. He wants to deal with the accusers, and he wants to minister to you his love. Extraordinary. How about his power? Think about Jesus, the power that was inside of him. What did he use his power for? He could have done many things. I love this scripture because it shows how he used the power that existed inside of him. Acts 10, 38 says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power to do what? Look, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. How beautiful is that? Is that not extraordinary? Maybe you need healing tonight. He's the healer. His fame, his fame was extraordinary. Here, Carpenter, you know, who is this dude? All of a sudden, he begins, you know, about the age of 30, begins ministry, and his fame just blew up on the earth, and multitudes and multitudes followed him, multitudes. And it says this in Matthew 8, 1, when he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And that wasn't the only place in the Bible. I mean, a lot of people heard about Jesus and what was taking place extraordinary to think about who he was and how he grew in fame and how he raised 12 disciples up grassroots and you're here today because of what was happened 2,000 years ago who is this Jesus who is he and who was he John 1 1 says something very powerful it says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God, and the word was God. Well, yeah, what, does that, what kind of exactly does that mean? I think a few scriptures later, it absolutely uh, gives uh, direct connection, definition to what that means. Verse 14, it says, remember it said a while ago, and the word was God. And look what verse 14 says, just a few scriptures later, it says, and the word became flesh. Who was that? Why is that so powerful? Because, see, Jesus was not just a man. He was God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. I love that it's grace first. <laughs> I need his grace, his amazing grace. He's God in the flesh. Like Craig says sometimes, I think he was the first one I ever heard say it, God in a bod. <laughs> That's not disrespectful. That's exactly who Jesus is. He stepped out of heaven because he had to do what only God could do. Sinners listened to him and followed him and he ate with them, but he never sinned, 33 and a half years. Sinners came and he forgave them. The sick came to him and he healed them. He even raised the dead. He cared and was concerned about people. There's a song, I, I like this old dude, you know, he's probably talking about a lady and probably smoking weed when he sang this. But he tells good stories in his song and it goes like this. You're always on my mind. 
You're always on my mind. How many of you know who that is? Willie. Willie Nelson. Why do I sing that? Because I believe that you're always on the mind of God. Every person here. He may not be, you may, you may not have him in your mind, but the God of the universe who is love thinks about you. Prove that, J.O. I can do that. Psalms 139 says, How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of the sand. And when I awake, you're still with me. He cares for you today. He went about doing good miracles, loving people, helping people. Yet... Things drastically changed. The one that was, had a mega ministry, fame, things began to change very quickly. All of a sudden, people turned him in. Soldiers came and captured him. He's betrayed. He's denied. He's abandoned. He's accused. Never making a mistake in his entire life. Now he finds his life in a complete heap of ashes. Just like that. Facing trouble, pain, death. Treated like the worst of felons. Criminal. Murder. Yet though he had never even made one mistake, captured like an evil madman, beaten, ridiculed, mocked, striped 39 times, a crown of thorns put on his head, persecuted, spat upon, slapped, abused, forsaken, all of his disciples forsaken him. His best friends who had walked with him for over three years. Maybe tonight you have found yourself in a broken position, in a broken place in your life, pain or lonely. Listen, Jesus went through the pain and the suffering. Why did he do that? Well, I think one of the main reasons he did it is so that he could get in your shoes. Jesus knows whatever you may be going through today. He knows exactly, exactly in that marriage, in that waiting to possibly go to jail, or whatever you're faced with mentally, emotionally, he knows exactly how you feel. He says this, surely, Isaiah 53, 4 through 5, surely he has bore our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our inequities and chastisement, for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. He went into the ashes for you. Ashes can look all kinds of different ways. Maybe... Maybe tonight, maybe it looks like addiction in your life tonight. Maybe you're in some type of bondage. Maybe you're trying to escape the pain of your past, the pain of what someone did something to you, or, or maybe you did something to someone, and all of a sudden you find yourself in this, this, this place of addiction, broken relationship, divorce, anxiety, panic, depression, a death 
whatever. There's so many things that leads to addiction. Do you find yourself in the ashes of addiction tonight? Addiction has many faces. Food, don't talk about that a lot in church, but can be. Sex, we do talk about that around here. Porn, some of the biggies, heroin, meth, gambling, has many faces. I personally found myself drowning in addiction in the past. Some had to do with my choices. You know, sometimes I, I'm my worst enemy. Left to myself, I'll let you know. I'll self-destruct. I praise God that I am, I'm not left to myself any longer. But there's also one that's called the enemy that wants to destroy your life. He has a serious agenda. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He doesn't play patty cakes. And listen to the scripture out of 2 Timothy 2, 26. It says, and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil having been taken captive by him to do his will. See, the enemy, he wants to lie to you in order to bring you into captivity. What, do you think that, what, what really is the force behind addiction? What, what would, the force behind meth and porn and heroin and what have you? You know, if you're in bondage tonight, I want to let you know that can change. So I ask you again, are you trapped in the ashes of addiction tonight? So I was raised in the church. I was raised, uh, I was believing in God. So I thought, went to church up until I was probably 15 years old. But always hearing about this God, but never experiencing him for myself. So when I was 15, I had stepped away from the church due to a falling out of my family. Everybody just kind of stopped going. I went off on my own for a while and <clears throat> pretty soon uh, began finding fulfillment in, um, in drugs and other things, um, most of all painkillers. And from there, just being uh, willing to experience anything and everything uh, to find fulfillment. I, you know, I worked, I had a place to stay, but really just working to, to feed my habit. Um, I had a daughter that I loved very much, but didn't really know how to love her properly, didn't know how to love myself properly, and I felt empty. I needed these drugs to, to make it one more day. Though I was using every day quite avidly, I was very good about keeping it under wraps and keeping it from everyone else. Most people in my family didn't even know that I was using while I was. I came to a point where I just I started hating the people around me. I hated God, and I really just became this, this, this shell, this empty shell. How many of you have ever dealt with any type of health issues before? Would you just raise your hand? Health issues. Maybe you're struggling with something tonight. 
in the area of health or disease or maybe one of your family members? Do you find yourself in the ashes of a health crisis today? Maybe you've lost a loved one. They've been hurt. Maybe a death because of a disease. Maybe you're brokenhearted because of it. Maybe not just brokenhearted, but honestly, just very, very honestly, you possibly could be broken financially because of a health issue. It's a real thing in our, in our nation, society today, the pressures, the challenges that go along with sickness and disease, bills, insurance, or the lack of. Maybe you find yourself or a family member in one of these crises today and the pressure it has on family, the, the pressure it has on relationships. Do you find yourself tonight in one of those situations. As a follower of Jesus, my wife and I have found ourselves in this situation before. My wife has been diagnosed with cancer three times. You know, when you come to know Jesus, it doesn't mean that everything's peachy. But I will tell you something. This is a fact. He will be with you in trouble. This is a fact that he can speak to the storm. This is a fact that he'll make sure that you go through the fire and not get stuck in the fire. I'm just letting you know. So I ask you tonight, I ask you again, do you find yourself in the ashes of a health challenge or crisis? February of 2015, we found out that we were pregnant with our second son and we couldn't have been more overjoyed. We went to the anatomy ultrasound and during that time we were told that there was something wrong with his heart and a couple weeks later we went and found out that he was diagnosed with hypoplastic left heart which basically means that the left side of his heart was underdeveloped and we weren't really sure where what to do at that point and uh, on September September 25th, 2015, he was, uh, our son Graham was born. And he went through his first heart surgery three days after to help kind of get the, the process going to, to get it fixed. And within 20 days of him being born, he, he passed away and he gained his wings. We, throughout the entire process, we, our faith never wavered that we would get our happy ending and bring Graham home. We got his room ready for him. We, we knew that no matter what happened, we didn't want to, we didn't doubt him or, or his, um, or his fight. We wanted him to know we were behind him 100%. And when he passed, we felt lost. We were confused. We did everything. We had friends praying for us. We reached out to our church. We we did everything we could. We were there with him every step of the way. And it, it crushed us. It brought us to our knees. We were like, why? Why us? Why Graham? Why now? Like, what did we do? And um, when we came home, it, it, it the joy was gone. It it was just a nightmare. Sometimes we deal with other types of nightmares 
the nightmares of someone else's sin that impacts us, someone else doing something? Do you find yourself in the ashes of abuse tonight or even the aftermath of abuse? Approximately five children die every day, every day from abuse. One out of three women experience domestic abuse and one out of four men. On an average, every 20 minutes, people experience physical abuse. Buried in shame and guilt and fear and trauma inflicted upon them by someone else. Someone we loved and trusted turns on us in verbal or physical abuse. The possible impact of verbal abuse, fear, anxiety, depression, PTSD, intrusive memories, on and on and on and on. The impact from someone else's sin invading our life. Broken our, 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 our shattered expectations. Maybe it's something that you've buried from childhood because it's so painful and so dark that you don't want to think about it, especially not even talk about it. Horrific, yes. But I want to let you know that in Jesus, healing can begin tonight. Once again, do you find yourself in the ashes of abuse. I grew up um, with a lot of people in my life who loved me very well, church and wonderful community. In spite of all that, there was a lot of um, expressions of love that were very passionate and I guess explosive anger was the one word that really described um, a lot of my environment growing up, and that to me equated love, just passionate love, like you love someone so much you're willing to get loud, and I don't think it was a surprise that I found myself in relationships that were um, constantly in chaos. I ended up getting pregnant, and my boyfriend at the time, who was the father, um, he was an alcoholic and very verbally abusive, and I think sometimes that's the um, hard part about verbal abuse, that you think that um, there's nothing external to show, and so you don't really validate that it's abuse. I equated it to love, and we were pregnant now, so things were going to be great, and the moment that you have a life inside of you, you can no longer just think about yourself and not care about yourself. You have to think about that other person, and so I remember um, during another episode, there was a lamp thrown at me and it hit the wall next to me about three inches from my belly and I was eight and a half months pregnant and that just, it was enough. It's almost like the Lord shouted it in me rather than me shouting it to myself, it's enough. It was the Lord saying, this is enough. I think in that one little moment I finally um, acknowledged that I was worthy of more than this. This was not true love. And that love would not make me feel this way and look this way. And the fear of shame of that leads you just to stay where you are until it becomes more painful to stay where you are than it would be to leave. And that was that moment.
This next one I think is a bit tricky because some of the most challenging folks that I think, my personal opinion, to receive Jesus are those who think they don't need Jesus. There's not a person here tonight that doesn't need Jesus. It's just it's not the way it was meant to be. Do you find yourself in the ashes of self-sufficiency tonight? Maybe you, you possess more degrees than a thermometer. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that, but it's not enough. Have a false security because of money. Maybe you have a great family, which is wonderful, but I want to let you know it's still not enough. Maybe you have a wonderful career, a sense of pride with many accomplishments. You have everything the world has to offer, but I got to tell you tonight, it's not enough. There's a void in the heart of every man, woman, young adult, and child that I believe is put there by God. We will try to do anything to fill that void. And many of you, including myself, have tried, but it can only be filled with God. Well, J.O., I have everything in life. I have cars and business and money and on. So, so J.O., I'm not in ashes because I'm self-sufficient. That's a great point. But are you really full of life and hope or are you full of stuff and self? Because there is a humongous difference. Jesus said in John 10.10, the second part of the scripture, he says, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. That's what Jesus has intended for you. And sometimes, let me tell you right now, stuff and life abundantly doesn't always equal the same. You can have a lot of stuff and have no life. You can have a lot of stuff and be extremely miserable. At the end of the day, self-sufficiency is a total lie. It's a complete lie. Because right now, sitting in this room, you're not keeping your heart beating. Not, not one person. You don't put the air in your lungs. Not one person. And tomorrow, if you have it, it's an absolute gift from God. So I ask you again tonight, are you truly living an abundant life or existing in the ashes of self-sufficiency? My story starts um, kind of towards the end. Um, I was living the American dream. I had a beautiful wife, two kids, a house, Good job. Pretty successful from the world standards. Anyone that looked at me would, would think that, that I had it all together. Internally, though, there was, there was a lot of things that were, that were amiss. I battled with anxiety. I battled with depression um, pretty much my whole life. And those things were rooted in, in some things that happened in my childhood. Um, I was sexually abused by somebody that I, was, that I trusted when I was a child. And... It really sent my, my life into a wrong direction. I was heavily involved in pornography, um, addictive, just 
personality altogether with alcohol and girls and just looking at relationships from the wrong way. I battled depression heavily. I didn't really have an out. I dealt with it the best way I could, but there was no solution to what was going on in my life, what was going on in my head. But looking from the outside, things looked great. You know, we just hit four tonight, four areas of ashes, pretty big ones, addiction, health problems, abuse, self-sufficiency. There's many, many more. What is your heap of ashes tonight? It can look many, many ways. Loneliness, hopelessness, relationships, maybe you're in a situation of fraud, maybe you're dealing with a past abortion that's really impacting your life. Maybe it has to do with sexual uh, challenges or confusion, mental illness, emotional illness, brokenhearted, soul, divorce, self-hatred, suicide, depression, cutting, whatever it is today, I want to let you know all of them will end in a heap of ashes without Jesus Christ. So I ask you one last time, are you living in ashes in any area of your life tonight? What are your ashes? Are you heartbroken, confused, hopeless, and lost in ashes? So since following Jesus, I have completely let him uh, take over every part of me. And God revealed himself to me in a way that I'd never experienced. And his love just washed over me. Instantly, I was delivered from, from addiction, from anger. Uh, I had peace for the first time. I love, I, I, I love people. I love myself. You know, I, I can love my daughter now the way that God intended it to be. My life is amazing. I, I, I'm so excited for what God has in store for me. Because of Graham, we learned more about ourselves than we could have ever imagined, more about our faith, and we've become so much stronger as a couple and, and as a family. We are in a better place today. Our faith is stronger than it's ever been. While I'm here, I want Graham to look down and say, that's my mom. Like, I'm proud.
proud of her. She didn't give up. Today, we've both been baptized on Graham's first birthday, and we're also um, 35 weeks pregnant um, with our rainbow baby, who we named Lucas Graham, and who we are grateful and blessed to say is perfectly healthy, and his heart looks great. Five years ago, uh, I was up here in Coeur d'Alene by myself, winterizing a house that we had just purchased. And I was sitting in front of the fire, and um, my wife had put this devotional book in my, my luggage. And so I started reading the devotional, and immediately the Holy Spirit came upon me I burst into tears. I, I didn't didn't want to be the person I was anymore. Um, I called called my my wife, and that was the first time she had ever heard me cry. And God just completely broke me, completely broke me of pornography, completely broke me of of cursing, completely broke me of so many just things that that I had no power over. I had visions in my head going back all the way to childhood of every time that God tried to use somebody to, to um, interact in my life for him. And at, at that point, I realized that it was, it was me. It was really came down to my decision on, on when it was time for me to, to commit my life to Jesus. Jesus is there for me now uh, every day. Some of the first things that the Lord did was he began to speak kindly and gently to me. His kindness and his gentleness is so precious that I, I, didn't, I didn't know how to receive it because sometimes in those environments you see um, rage and anger as masculine traits. And so to see a, a, um, someone loving me in this way seemed kind of wimpy to me. And he showed me his power and he showed me his love in such tender ways. And it wasn't until I was complete in him and with him and we had our family unit that I began to desire to be in a relationship. I, I remember saying to him, okay, I think I'm ready now. I think I'm ready to fall in love. But, but the way that you've showed me that it can look like and is that possible? You know, is it possible to have this Cinderella story? orchestrated everything. The very random way that uh, my husband and I met, we've been married 10 years. We have two more children. He's adopted my child, my first child. He is to me like the earthly depiction of selfless love. He's the most kindest man. His words are so gentle to me. And God knew that I needed that. He knew who I needed and he brought me exactly who I needed. I'm so thankful. just think.
Do you know that Jesus, he actually lived to die. He came to earth to actually live, to die. He rose in fame, but then he found himself in ashes. Even on the cross, in the depth of his ashes, you know what he did? He reached out to a thief next to him. So today, I will see you in paradise. Going down in the ashes of brutal beating on a cross. Why? Let me tell you why. Because hanging on that cross, he became me. Hanging on the cross, he took on my sin. Hanging on the cross, he took on your sin. Your sin and my sin put him there. That may sound a little offensive, but it's just absolutely the truth. Someone had to do something for our sin so that we could have a relationship with a holy God. But, 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 but listen to this. He didn't remain in the ashes. Come on. In three days, they opened the tomb and guess what? He was gone. Come on. He raised out of the ashes. In three days, he was risen. He's alive today, seated on the right hand of the Father, out of the ashes. We are singing it. By your spirit, I will rise from the ashes of defeat. The resurrected king is resurrecting me, is resurrecting you tonight, if you will believe. See, his name is Victory. Why is his name Victory? Because he overcame death. He overcame sin, and he did it for you and I. And when one believes upon him, guess what happens? You walk in victory. If you're full of shame tonight, come to the one that took on your blame. Listen, if you're buried in guilt, I want to let you know Jesus was built to carry your guilt. If you're overcome with pain, cast your care on the one who was slain for your pain. Listen, if you're addicted tonight, come to Jesus, the one who was afflicted for the addicted. Don't be conflicted because it was depicted on the cross that he was inflicted that you may approach him non-restricted and receive his love unrestricted. Jesus, Jesus came through the ashes so that you don't have to stay in them today. Tonight, whoever you are, will you come out of the ashes? Will you allow the resurrected king to resurrect you? The Bible says in Isaiah 61, 3, in the middle of the scripture, it says to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. How, J.O.? Listen to the simplicity of what the decision that you need to make tonight in order to live a resurrected life and life forevermore. The Bible says in John 1:12, it says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to be children of God to those who believe in his name. Will you receive him tonight? 
Will you believe on his name? Will you receive his forgiveness and grace, the free gift that he wants to bestow upon you? He's paid the price, the full price of your sin, the full price of death. God in the flesh paid for you. Will you believe and will you confess tonight as him being your Savior and Lord? Because when you do that, something spiritually, supernaturally happens and he comes and he takes residence inside of you.